You're listening to The After Session with Philip Lewis. I'm a therapist based in Washington, D.C., and I hope to provide my perspective on work done throughout the therapeutic process. Thanks for listening. Dear listeners, in this episode, we will be discussing the sensitive and distressing topic of sexual assault. We understand that this subject matter can be deeply triggering and emotionally challenging for many individuals. Our intention in covering this topic is to shed light on the experiences of survivors, raise awareness about issues, and foster important conversations around consent, empathy, and support. However, we recognize that engaging with this content can be difficult and potentially re-traumatizing for some listeners. If you feel that this topic might be distressing or triggering for you, we encourage you to prioritize your mental health and emotional well-being. It is perfectly okay to skip this episode or choose to listen to it at a later time when you feel more prepared or supported. If you or someone you know has experienced sexual assault or requires immediate support, we strongly recommend reaching out to local resources or helplines specialized in providing assistance to survivors. They can offer guidance, counseling, and information about available services. Please take care of yourself and know that your well-being is paramount. We appreciate your understanding and sensitivity towards this delicate topic. Thanks for listening. Today's podcast is about sexual trauma, and it is one of a three-part series discussing the topic and individual experiences. Sexual trauma refers to any unwanted sexual experience or violation that a person endures. It involves any form of sexual assault, abuse, harassment, or exploitation that causes physical, psychological, or emotional harm. Sexual trauma can occur at any age and can affect individuals regardless of their gender, sexual orientation, or background. The impact of sexual trauma can vary from person to person, but it often leaves deep emotional wounds that can have lasting effects on an individual's mental health, relationships, and overall well-being. Some common reactions to sexual trauma include feelings of fear, shame, guilt, anger, depression, anxiety, flashbacks, nightmares, and difficulties with intimacy and trust. It's important to note that sexual trauma is a deeply personal and sensitive experience, and its effects can be complex and individualized. Each person's response and healing process may differ, and it's essential to approach the topic with empathy, understanding, and respect for the survivor's unique journey. If you or someone you know has experienced sexual trauma, it is crucial to seek support from trained professionals such as therapists, counselors, or organizations specialized in trauma and sexual assault. They can provide guidance, therapeutic interventions, and resources to aid in the healing process. Thank you for being here. This is a fun topic. I, at any point, we can call it quits. Okay. You just let me know. I will okay. certainly do so. So the first thing um, I named, or I thought of the name of Righteous Rage, for this episode. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? I mean, I see where you're coming from with that in a sort of um, angry at the injustices afflicted upon those who have suffered mm. sexual assault. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's where you're going with that, right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember, oh, sorry. No, go no, ahead. go ahead. I remember one day in um, our work together, we had gotten, I believed, past some anger. 
And then one day you came in and you're just like, I'm just upset. And I don't know why. And I said, well, is it because uh, nothing was done? Police? Do you feel like you need vengeance? You feel... And you're like, no, I just don't know. Like, I'm, I'm over the hurt. I'm over the pain. But now I get to be angry. And I was just like, well, after the session, you verbalized that. But the, <laughs> most of the session was me uh, uh, creating space or helping right. to create space for okay. you to realize that it was all right for you to be uh, upset over what, what you are. And there's a, what happened, what you experienced. And there was a difference between pain and being broken, quote unquote, for right. those listening who can't see my hands, because um, I don't believe in being broken. But um, there's a difference between the pain from the experience and then allowing yourselves to grieve whatever we had to grieve or go through and then create space to actually realize that it's okay. And it's sometimes healthy to just be angry yeah. because something happened and we allow ourselves to address that anger however we want to as opposed to like oh i can't be angry because that means i'm not healed no something happened and it's okay to have a reaction to that happening yeah you remember that yeah i do i think i think for me the anger was the hurt the hurt has mostly gone away i still feel it sometimes mm -hmm. but it is it is anger now i think it's an anger at what was done to me and also how it has affected my life mm. and continuously for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And I certainly cannot be the only person that feels an anger and a frustration in like, it has affected every single one of my relationships mm -hmm. since that happened. Mm -hmm. And it will probably continue to affect them. Now I think in some cases it will the effect will be effects will be lessened. I'll be with somebody who is able to help me sort of work through it. I think that'll it'll get better. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that's going to sit with me for a really long time, and that really pisses me off. Mm -hmm. I hate that. It's so frustrating. I don't want to be. And we're not going to use the word broken, you're mm -hmm. right, because nobody's broken. But I don't want to be traumatized and I don't want to have, oh, you're you know, saying all the, the flashbacks and the nightmares and the, the trust issues. And I, ha I get all of that. Mm -hmm. I don't want any of that. Mm -hmm. He's just living his best life. Mm -hmm. I don't think he has nightmares or flashbacks. You're still living your best life, huh? I, I mean, you got back. I mean, we've worked you, you, you from <laughs> yeah, when we yeah. first met to to now is you're living like a two life. Different, two different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I wanted to um, disclose something I've been keeping from you. <laughs> a lot of folks come into my office and think that I'm going to take away their pain or help them uh, alleviate the pain or. Um, figure out how not to hurt anymore. And then the back of my mind, I'm like, sure, let's make these goals. Let's decrease these symptoms. Let's, let's unpack this trauma or these things. But my goal is never not to make you feel pain again. My goal is to help you carry it differently. Knowing that sometimes something will stay with us. Sometimes we can let it go. Sometimes more pain might come from just different experiences and life doing what life does. But my my goal as a therapist is always to 
help folks just carry whatever they find along their journey throughout the journey, but carry it in a way that doesn't impede it or change the trajectory or the speed. It's just something that we now have a part of us and at some time, or hopefully at some point, have to love or learn to love. Was that supposed to be a surprise? I knew that. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> so you got that by the end of our work. Yes. Okay. Yes, I definitely Wonderful. got that. Because I don't, in the, I think, two very specific situations that mm-hmm. we've worked through mm-hmm. together, I can't sit here and say that I no longer feel pain about either one of them because that's not true. Yeah. Um, what I can say is that I think about them differently and I think about myself in relation to them differently. Right. So yeah, I know you're not trying to get rid. I, I don't think anything can get rid of the pain. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, I there's some things I know personally <laughs> that I don't hurt from anymore. But maybe again, I just carry it differently, yeah. or have found a place for it in my life that is not um, a tender place or doesn't have any residual pain or how we want to place that. But so for those of you who are listening, um, we are going to have a few different series, but this one is particularly about. Um, sexual experiences in an intimate partner relationship. Without disclosing too much, however much do you you feel comfortable talking or expressing? Do you want to explain um, your experience? Sure. Um, I was a freshman in college. Oh, I feel like so many of these stories start out that way. Yeah. Um, and I had met somebody who was a few years older than me. Um. And I almost, I want to say, you know, he showed a lot of interest, but like he didn't, Mm -hmm. he breadcrumbed me, which was for people who are listening who don't know that sort of term. It's he gave me just enough Mm -hmm. to keep me around, but not nearly enough that of like what I deserved. Mm -hmm. Um, And I um, was also a virgin and he had, you know, told me at one point that I, essentially just needed to get it together because he was a grown ass man. And if I was going to be with him, then I needed to have sex with him. Mm -hmm. And I was so uncomfortable with that, but felt like, you know, what, what else is there? Um, but before I could even actually make a decision about that, we went to, uh, one of his date parties and I remember two drinks and I do not remember anything else. And when I came to, without getting too graphic, he was there. There were condoms all over the floor. I don't have no idea how I got back to the fraternity house. Um, and yeah, I was uh, absolutely terrified. Um, I he I remember like a few minutes later, he had to go. The, somebody in the fraternity house needed him. He got up, he left the room, and I was frantic trying to find my clothes um and i had my car uh, so i went to my car and um i couldn't even distinctly remember that i couldn't find my shirt and so i had my like open sweater just like wrapped around me and i'm walking around campus at like three o'clock in the morning um i can't get a hold of anybody because it's three o'clock in the morning and at that time i wasn't living on campus yet um, and so I got to my car and thank God one of my friends on the East Coast picked up um, because I was still drunk and I was going to drive home. And that just would have been a whole other thing. And she convinced me uh, to sleep in my car 
and then just wake up and go home. And when I hung up with her, I had a bunch of missed calls from him and text messages from him saying things like, like, how dare you leave? Get back here. You embarrassed me. Like, how could you do that? Like, get your ass back here right now. And I got my ass back there. We never talked about it and then dated on and off for like six months after that. Mm -hmm. He cheated on me. We never talked about it. And that was that. My first time having sex. Great. I'm sorry you had to experience that. <laughs> the dark humor. <laughs> it's all good. Whatever helps us. That's how I cope. <laughs> hey, it's, it's all good. I am sorry that you had to experience that. I, I think that with this type of trauma, there are two things that take place. Um, trust in relationships and then trusting ourselves. So obviously when we first met and you told me the story and what you want to experience, I already knew like where those two things hit, you know, where we um, lost trust in others or might have some barriers to trust in others in a relationship. And then may have lost some faith or trust in ourselves because of what we do or how we respond. Yeah. You want to walk me through how you process those two? How that show up for you in relationships afterward or even now? Yeah. They, um, I think the first one is probably the one that I, I think about the most. I think the trust in myself is something that I really only thought about when I started working with you. A lot of people miss that one. Yeah. That, I, that good, that's why we behave the way we yeah. behave, because we lost trust in ourselves. For sure. To it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the trust in relationships. And quite honestly, I, um, and this is, I think, my, my inner people pleaser, I feel bad mm -hmm. for the people that I have been in relationships since because it's not their fault mm -hmm. that I cannot trust them. It's not yours either, but go ahead. I, I know, but they, they really didn't do anything. And it has, um, it's come in different ways, whether it's just not letting people in, which is normally what it is, just walls are absolutely up. Um, and just not giving, even giving, giving people the time of day or essentially self-sabotaging so that people will leave because I would just rather them leave than have them stick around and then do something that's going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. um, I can honestly say that I have not had, I have not had a meaningful relationship. Mm -hmm. Since. Since. Yeah. And that was, that was, um, that was a while ago. And I have not had a meaning. I, so essentially I have not had a meaningful, healthy relationship ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yay. That's okay. That's okay. But the trust, the loss of trust in myself uh -huh. is, I, I genuinely had never even thought about it until you and I had the conversation in which you were trying to explain to me that I needed to forgive myself mm. for making a decision because I just had to make one. Mm -hmm. I had to do something to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, sitting in the backseat of my car, the decision I thought would best protect myself was to go back. Mm -hmm. And I need to forgive myself for making that decision. Mm. You used all the information you had, the situation, the substance, whatever it was that um, you were given that night from those two drinks. Yeah. And to keep yourself physically safe and maybe 
emotionally, you made the decision to go back mm-hmm. and put out the flame and pretend that nothing happened. And I put out so many more flames in the next, the, for the rest of that, I'm putting air quotes, people can't see it, relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the number of times that I just let things go because he was, then he, he turned physically abusive mm-hmm. and he turned emotionally abusive. And I would look past things and I would um, let things go. And not because it felt safer to just pretend that it was all okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was somebody who threatened to harm themselves if I did not do what they wanted from me or from like, I mean, so there it was emotional, it, physical and sexual abuse. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it just felt safer to just pretend that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to hear you say that and like not have an emotional reaction because it took me a while. I almost was like, Y'all know how I am when I get impatient. <laughs> I was like, go find another therapist. No, I never said that. But in my mind, I'm like, she got about a few more weeks before she forgives us, is allowed to forgive herself. So the fact that you're here and you're saying you understand, or at least I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that you have an understanding of survival mode and what we do. And sometimes we have to forgive ourselves for just trying to survive with whatever at that whatever developmental stage we are, whatever age we're in, what we did at that moment was for some reason what the primal brain deemed to be necessary to make it to the next day. I do. I, again, I think it's been in working with you that I've really understood that and started to forgive myself for that. Mm-hmm. I now think I've gotten to a place where I, um, I feel so bad for that girl. Mm-hmm having to make those decisions for the former me having to make those decisions i feel i like so wish that i could help her talk to her (laughs) (laughs) but the thing i always say is like we look back at our former selves and forget to realize that the reason why we made those decisions was because we're strong enough to make those decisions so in a way we saved ourselves anyway like going back and wanting to say, oh, I need to save this person or or uh, tell this person that they're good enough or whatever. That journey allowed us to see that we were good enough is how I think about it. What do you think? I see where you're coming from. I think maybe I'm not there yet. Okay. Maybe that's going to take a little bit more time and a little bit more work. Do you see that you saved yourself, though? I see that I did the best that I could, I guess, in that moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's, I mean, I, it doesn't, it still doesn't feel like saving myself. But I, I, I got you. I guess I, like I, maybe from the outside, I, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. It feels like I was just, I don't know. Surviving. It's, yeah. It doesn't feel like saving myself. It just feels like I was Sorry. existing. Okay. I'll let you have that one for now. <laughs> At what point, though, did you allow yourself, did you allow yourself to get angry? Years. I think it was never, for the longest time, it it wasn't anger. Mm -hmm. It was just hurt. And it was... The complex you had about yourself? Yes. Feeling sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, so much like, why did this happen to me? And, you know, for a long time, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. What, what did I, you know, what did I put out? Did I, did I, did I say yes? I, I have asked myself that question so many times Mm -hmm. and it was only until recently that I finally allowed myself to it doesn't it doesn't matter if I cannot remember anything past the second drink I doesn't matter if I said yes it does not matter it is not okay mm-hmm. it took me a really long time to get there mm-hmm. because that was why I didn't report it is because I figured that when they would call him in he would say but she said it was fine mm-hmm. and that's what he when he found out that I was talking about it at some point, mm-hmm. oh, he got so angry. That's why I never, I never reported it. I felt like nobody would believe me, and I thought maybe. But now, now I know. Now I know that it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if I said yes. Mm-hmm. Not in that state. I'm glad you got there. Not in that state. I'm glad you got. So, Did that answer your question? Yeah, I feel like sure. it was a tangent. <laughs> so, no, I'm glad you got it out. I'm glad you got it out. So there, there are some things. We talked about forgiveness, forgiving ourselves. Then there are some things we kind of have to uh, process as a result of what we've experienced. So I may have gone through a sexual experience that has made me hypersexual or that has made me detached and not wanted sex or made me question the type or form of sex that I have because this trauma or this physical abuse that was involved in it was my first experience of mine. Now I might like that every now and then or whatnot. Mm -hmm. What beliefs, I'll just say that, what (laughs) beliefs or what behaviors, not beliefs, what behaviors did you adapt or do you think you you, um, adapted to as a consequence of of your experience, as a result of your experience? I'm going to go with the all of the above okay (laughs) um it it fluctuates and still to this day Mm -hmm. it fluctuates that sometimes i feel a hypersexuality uh because i think because it was my first experience i and right i mean essentially my first quote-unquote relationship Mm -hmm. all of that i feel as if i have been hypersexualized for most of my adult life mm-hmm. and so sometimes i just lean into that because mm-hmm. i think well that's what i'm good for right mm-hmm. i mean i'm hot that's like that's just what i'm good for mm-hmm. other times it's the opposite it's a like don't touch me don't mm-hmm. i i'm i'm uncomfortable i'm scared i can't i can't do this um and i i, I wish i was explaining this to someone recently i wish i understood why it comes when it does. Mm-hmm. There's no like rhyme or reason, I think, that when it's one or not the other, or, you know, there have been times where I am comfortable with someone one time and then the next time I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't under I don't quite understand it. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that at some point it will calm down, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. I think if I'm finally in a relationship where I feel safe and comfortable, right. I would hope that it would start to go away. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's it's been like that ever since it happened. Mm. Do you love yourself anyway? We're getting there. You do realize you have to. Uh, yes, I do. 
in order for I'm anything stuck to with change. Myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. I think that's just like the final piece. You know, all the puzzles will, will come into place once unconditional positive self-regard is like blanketed over everything. However we show up, wherever we show up, and in whatever way we show up, it makes it all better. So, you know what I never told you? That he said to me once, and I gotta tell you, it has never left my mind. Mm. That was many moons ago that he said this. When I finally broke up with him, I finally left. And he said, you're stupid for doing this. Nobody will ever love you like I do. Nobody will ever care about you the way that I do. Can you see Can you see how that maybe stuck with me oh, a yeah. little bit? I'm sure. I'm sure. I thought for the longest time. You're unlovable. I thought, yeah, that this is what love is, right? He just really, really cares. Mm -hmm. Aggressively cares. He punches holes in walls because he cares. Mm -hmm. Right? That's what love is. I'm so glad you don't see that anymore. <laughs> and I say that, like, comfortably because <laughs> yes. uh, we sit in our, my office and I, <laughs> I almost feel like I scroll through for her. You know, nope, not that one. <laughs> no, not this one. Tell me about this. Oh, <laughs> no, that's a complex. We're going to run from that one. I know, no longer telling so. you about <laughs> anyone. <laughs> But I, but I would hope that that has left you with an understanding of what safety is supposed to feel like in a relationship. I think so. Okay. I know what I, I know what I think it's supposed to feel like. I know what I want it to feel like. I haven't yet experienced it. That doesn't mean it's not coming. Uh, that's what I repeatedly tell myself. I used to always say that oh, I'm going to be like George Clooney, pre-em-all, and just be single and hot forever and have a bunch of dogs and, you know. But that was the definitely the trauma talking mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't think that I could ever feel comfortable with somebody. Now I I do believe that I can get there. I just don't, I don't know what it looks like. I'll be totally honest. I don't. And I think that that's okay. I think it's going to be a learning process. Right. It's, and it changes. I think we've talked about this because five years from now, safety looks like something else. And even if we are in a relationship, we might have to re-explain that now we want something different or more. Um, and that's okay, too. At least you know the foundation, what it's not supposed to look like. And then hopefully you're following how you feel and trusting your feelings. Yes. Again, we're getting there. Okay. We're definitely getting there. As long as we're moving in the direction. I tell you, the person I was when I met you versus the person now are two very different people. And it has been noted by other people in my life. Okay. In a very good way. Sorry to clarify. Right. <laughs> in a very good way. What's forgiveness look like? Believing that it wasn't my fault. Mm. I don't have a follow-up for that. I'm going to leave that one there. I love that answer. We'll let that just settle for a second. You good? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. In the past, what prevented you from acknowledging or voicing your truth? People not believing me. Mm -hmm. 
and I know that I am not alone mm -hmm. in that feeling. Mm -hmm. I feel confident in that, mm -hmm. that there are mm -hmm. men and women mm -hmm. who did not say anything because they did not think that they would be believed. Mm -hmm. And I, the list of people that know about this is very short mm -hmm. because I still worry. Now. Now, not as much. Oh, okay. But I don't. I was going to say, we need to go back no. to my office <laughs> and do some more. <laughs> but, no. but now, not as much, but I don't talk about it as much. I don't feel a need to talk about it which as much, which is, which, which is, is good, good. which yeah. is good. I which think. is different than feeling that you shouldn't or can't. Yes. Or won't be hurt. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. But for a long time, I didn't tell people because I didn't think that they would believe me. I've always defaulted. Maybe this is because of my experiences or whatever, but in my mind, I've, the concept of not believing someone is just so foreign to me. Like, I don't understand it. How can you ever, unless you're there or like, I, I don't know, even if you're there, like, I don't know how, what kind of situation that would create, but what do you lose by believing someone? And then just letting whatever unfold unfold. I mean, people will go to, they say, oh, well, there's all these situations where people were lying. Yeah, sure. sure. Of course. There's and that's on that person who lies. Absolutely. What do I have to do about But also that? let's compare, oh, maybe it's like 95% people are telling the truth and 5% people have lied. I mean. Uh, the statistics are pretty drastic. Um, the, it's very low, very low. I can't remember yeah. the number. But even if it was 50-50 in my mind. What do I have to lose by listening to you right. and saying, I'm sorry for your experience? Yeah. Uh, what do I have to lose by listening to you and creating space for you to verbalize your truth? You know, as it's just not in a therapeutic way for anybody out there listening. Um, and as long as there are no actions on my part or anyone else's part to detrimentally impact anyone, what is the barrier to belief, like to truth? So if there's anything I would say, and I'm going to speak for you, there is anything that I would say for those of you who come across or know someone who is expressing or verbalizing their experience. You are not a judge. You are not a investigator. You are not a police officer. You are, hold space mm -hmm. and just let, let it be. I will say I have found in my experience, uh, not everyone, mm -hmm. but often men, more so than women, mm -hmm. do not know how to respond when I share this information with them. Oh yeah, I can see that. They get very uncomfortable. Um, they try to change the topic mm -hmm. or they don't, they don't know how to respond. And I think it's very simple. Hold space, mm -hmm. believe the person when they're talking to you. And this is not just me for any, for anyone mm -hmm. who's opening up, believe the person, hold space for them. Ask them how they want to be comforted. Do they want to continue having the conversation? What do they need? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, we've talked about, I think we've talked about this for me. I um, don't like when people try to relate mm -hmm. to my situation. Like if I'm trying to open up about something and people mm -hmm. say, oh, well, I can relate because, and it's they, and it, it makes me feel not heard. Right. Um, so, you know, ask the person, how, how, how do you best 
um, feel supported. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not that hard. That's really good advice. It's really not that hard. Yeah. And then again, like going back to this 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 uh, belief thing, I don't know why it's just stirring up so much heat in me right now. Yeah. But you again, if you believe someone and it turns out not to be true, you haven't really lost anything. Right. But if you don't believe them and they're telling the truth. Then you have lost it all. They are. And you've probably damaged someone. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Right. That's that's why I I knew if I walked into that campus police station Mm -hmm. that they they wouldn't believe me. Or that they would believe me in the moment, go and gather evidence, and then say that there wasn't enough Mm -hmm. evidence to have anyone get in trouble Mm -hmm. and it would just be i don't know a slap on the wrist maybe Mm -hmm. and that felt like it would be so painful that it just wasn't even worth to go through what you went through physically and then to and then to have somebody say i'm Mm -hmm. so sorry Mm -hmm. there's not enough evidence Mm -hmm. you know we we believe you right but i i couldn't imagine how much that must hurt does anything inhibit you or, or um, any obstacles to expressing yourself now? Not really. I don't, you know, like I said before, I don't talk about it as much, but only because I don't necessarily feel a need to unless I am getting to know a new partner mm-hmm. or it, that feel it feels like an important thing to talk about mm-hmm. with somebody that I am potentially right. dating. Okay. And I think it is. I think it's very important. It's uh, it's going to affect a lot of things probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a lot more comfortable talking about it. The only quote unquote barriers, I guess, I think are the people that I tell. Mm-hmm. I think I, like my parents, mm-hmm. I, I still couldn't tell them. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Do you mind sharing why? Is that for them or is that for you? Both, I think. So you're protecting yourself from your parents? I think I'm protecting myself from what I think their reactions might be. And I don't either... So if it comes... Either not being believed or 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 them not thinking that it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. I, I don't... I don't really know what they react. I mean, the reaction could be exactly what I would want it to be, mm-hmm. but I don't know. And so it's not worth the risk. <laughs> I can open a can of work. I, I can get it. I mean, I understand that. So because we don't know, it creates this gotcha. There are different forms of pain that might come from it. But to be fair, I think that's just the relationship that I have with, with them. Your parents. It's so, different for everybody. So what advice would you give parents in general? Oh boy. Um believe them. Right. First and foremost. Mm-hmm. I think again, you know, it's underrated just asking people what they want. In that situation, do you want support? Do you want help reporting this? Do do you want to talk about it more? Do you want to never bring it up again? What is it that would make you feel 
the most supported from us right now. And can I throw one in? Sure. Do you, are you comfortable with me speaking about this with other people? In my experience, yes, I was believed, but now everyone's on a rampage. Now everyone's trying to, uh, what's the word? Save me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm grown and I am lethal as hell at this point <laughs> in my life. So I'm thinking, what exactly do you think you can do <laughs> to yeah. help me in this situation? <laughs> but uh, so I, I want to throw that in there too. Uh, who can we? I, I'm actually glad. I'm glad that you added that mm-hmm. because I would think as a parent that that would be a, a given mm-hmm. that you would not repeat that. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you that my mother told, I told her that I had a crush on this boy when I was like very young. And she told the boy's mother and the mother told the boy. Mm-hmm. And so if that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, and I don't think it's like a, and, and my situation was kind of like, because it was childhood stuff. Yeah. It's like parents sometimes internalize the pain that you go through in life as a reflection of them. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to keep my child safe. I'm supposed to train my child. I'm supposed to tell my child not to. It's my fault. Right. You know, how can my child go at this place and be physically harmed or emotionally harmed and I prepared them for the world I'm supposed to or save them from all of these things so then to conceptualize that uh, we didn't do the job or we didn't keep them safe for me felt like it turned it about into something about them yeah you know I think and that's that's where it comes from the communication and and trying to find answers they try to find answers for why this happened to my child and that's not it doesn't help and that's not why you likely not why you brought it up right so if you think if your reaction in any way might make it about you it's the let's just say it's the it's wrong, wrong reaction it's definitely the wrong reaction. swallow it go in your yes. bedroom and deal cry later it. yeah and <laughs> deal with it later and that maybe it's something that you bring up a week or two later right. hey so i've you. been thinking about it and do you want help reporting this or can i talk to whatever or bring I it up like later I failed you yeah, Even absolutely. Absolutely. Fine. I'm sorry for not keeping you safe and I but don't know what to do. In the moment, uh-huh. if it is about you, shut your mouth. <laughs> this is politely sorry. <laughs> do not say it. <laughs> do you feel for this specific experience the healing process is definitive? Wait. It ends at some point? No. Okay. No. Tell me. Tell me more. Because I always think that this is something that I'm going to carry with me. And maybe if it wasn't my first sexual experience, mm-hmm. maybe it wouldn't be different. Maybe if it was somebody that I didn't end up being in a emotionally and physically manipulative and abusive relationship afterwards, mm-hmm. maybe it would be different. But all of those things combined, I think, I think it will lessen as I go on mm-hmm. in life, the further removed I am from the situation. And eventually when I am in a safe and healthy relationship, mm-hmm. but it's always, I think it's always going to be there. Yeah. I wonder if that changes or is impacted by someone's knowledge of what happened to them. Obviously I know what happened to me, but I have a lot of, or a person could know what happens to them. Like physically, they remember the moment. It's not like 
You mean because I don't remember? No, not that I don't remember, but like there are some folks that I work with and I say, you know, that is sexual trauma. And especially if it's our first sexual experience, this is all we might know. So if this is all we know, this is the only information we've been given, What, where does that leave a person? So sometimes it's a conversation that has to be had about what's appropriate, what's not, all of these things. It feels horrible. It hurt. It yeah. maybe was embarrassing or shameful, all of these things. But maybe I was never taught or understood at a, on a cognitive level that this is something that's illegal, <laughs> right? And this is something that's a grave or grievous harm. Yeah. Um, and I think not catching that or not knowing that at a young age might allow someone to carry it differently because that kind of gets the mix up of, damn, after I figured out that this is why I had all the trauma or the traumatic responses, my behavior pattern from that might have exposed me to more trauma and more pain. Okay. I hear where you're coming from. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Is it like, so like I, it took me years to say it was rape. Mm-hmm. It took me years. And I still, the, the hesitation before saying that word mm-hmm. is, again, I think partially because he said that it was consensual. It was love. It was, yeah, consensual. And it was love. Oh, yes. It was love, yeah. Um. I think maybe I didn't claim it for what it was for a while. I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I was I was a freshman in college. And when everything was said and done, when I finally left him, I just jumped right back into college. Mm-hmm. And I didn't acknowledge, I didn't acknowledge it. I didn't, I just kept going. I think I, I think I turned to humor like pretty quick mm-hmm. about it just because that was easiest for me. Right. And I think I didn't, I didn't tell people for, or I don't, outside of the the friend that answered the phone mm-hmm. on that night, I don't think I told people for like a really long time. And I think there are still people that don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think I just didn't claim it. And I think that's maybe why I'm still sitting with it mm-hmm. because until I claimed it, I couldn't really deal with it and then once i claimed it now i'm so i mean maybe if i'd claimed it earlier maybe i still wouldn't be feeling the way i feel yeah if i understood it yeah exactly is that kind of what you're referring to okay what advice would you give to someone who's experienced sexual violence in an intimate partner relationship oh my god tell yourself And whether you say it out loud, whether you write it down, whether you write it on a post-it note and stick it on your bathroom mirror, Mm -hmm. I don't care how you do it. It was not my fault. That is the thing that I think every survivor, I think that's the most, I wish it hadn't taken me as long as it did to learn that because nobody was telling me. Mm -hmm. So for the however many people listening to this, Mm -hmm. I am the person that's telling you not your fault it will never have been your fault um so start there and 
you know, I think a lot of people say, um, you know, the first thing is to to tell someone. I feel like there's a lot of like really statistical sort of, I think I've heard a lot of the, okay, well, don't pee and then go to the hospital mm -hmm. because that's how the only way that they can do the rape kit. Because if you pee, then everything goes out and then there's no way of testing and there's all of this like very, and that's really overwhelming. And then and inaccurate. There are two separate. When it comes to anatomy, <laughs> your urethra and your I won't go into detail, but um, two different places. Right. Um, that unless something happened, then they put it in, in that place. But go ahead. So there's a lot of, or you know, immediately leave the room, go to campus police, or go to local police call, go somewhere, tell somebody, and. If you're in a position to do that, then obviously do it, of course. But not everybody is in that position. I was not. I was not in that position. I mean, I also think if I had in that exact moment, what, and this is so sad to say, but what campus police officer would have believed a drunk girl with no shirt on coming from fraternity row i would like to hope i would like to believe that someone would i would love to believe that too but, but i don't I think this conversation will help help move that experience in a different way yeah i hope so so i think if you are not in a safe position to immediately seek help I think then the next thing is to make yourself safe. Good point. In whatever way that is, whether that is, um, I don't know, whatever. going to your car, wh wh whatever it is, put yourself in a position to be safe until you can take the next step. Gotcha. So it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Make yourself safe. Make yourself safe. And Talk when you're ready. Mm. Don't, I think, I think the Me Too movement is so important. So was and is so important. And when people feel comfortable talking about it, I, I think that they should. But there's, sometimes there's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. to talk about it, to share that you were part of this super secret club mm -hmm. of people that have had, and, and that's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. It isn't. And know that it's okay right. if you don't want to talk about it. Talk about it when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being so brave. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Okay. You've been listening to the After Session with Philip Lewis. I hope this time has been beneficial to you in some way. If you like some of the topics discussed, you can visit lewiscounseling.org and click on the After Session or follow me on Instagram at the after session underscore. If you are interested in starting your therapeutic process or engaging in a protocol or technique referenced, please make sure you contact your mental health or medical provider. This podcast has been produced by Logan Wesley. You can follow Logan at onelawmusic.com or on Instagram at the number one LAW underscore music. Thanks for listening. Be good to yourself. <laughs>